wage war through the water Thinking I'm Uncle Sam I'm trying to make you live it all I'm just a working man And oh, my Lord, it says I can't get no sleep, can't get no rest The beauty you've lost Just throw me into the fire So get on your knees and say a prayer for me The Cohen family was Jewish Not devout by any means, but by heritage and tradition. I was born of Presbyterian mother, though I couldn't say I was raised in that faith, as from a young age, most of my time was spent with the Coens. Much of any religious learning I could claim was was received over the Cohen dinner table. From David, presenting us boys with ethical dilemmas, asking us to solve them. Abe, he'd most often get frustrated and ask for himself to be excused. Jack... Jack, he'd take a back seat, keeping quiet while his father and I debated. Huh. When Abe was 22, he met a girl. She was from a, a Southern Baptist, Bible-thumping family, and Abe was an enthusiastic convert to her faith. You know, David told me a few days after their wedding that it felt like he had lost a son. And I often thought... Abe hadn't really fallen in love with the girl so much as he'd fallen in love with the easy black and white answers of the simple, thoughtless theology she offered to him. As we pulled up to the house, Candace was sailing down the ten front steps of the Spanish-style spread, reminding reminding me of that scene from Funny Face when Audrey Hepburn sails down two dozen steps trailing red chiffon. Candace was only trailing green gardening gloves and a pair of clippers. She'd been pruning the climbing pink roses that clung to the front archway when we drove up. But still, she could have given Audrey Hepburn a serious run for her money in the elegance department. Son number three, get over here. Candy, glad to see you. Well, hello, honey. Let me get a good look at you. Mm, Handsome as ever. Oh, thanks. I have missed you and David. Clearly something important is going on for you and David to show up together. Yes, something very important. Is everything all right in Mexico? It's better than I ever expected it could be. As I've been led to believe. It's a long story. She threaded her arm through mine as she led me in through the house's large double doors, down a hallway and past a winding wrought iron staircase, flanked by two huge living rooms, one on either side, both equally beautiful in their Spanish elegance meets Florida bright charm, and both invitingly comfortable. Continuing on through a formal dining room and directly into the kitchen, where David was neatly pouring scotch into two Waterford tumblers. I hear you've made yourself a real estate mogul south of the border. I've managed to do well for myself. In fact, I've done so well that I've told David I'd like to put some of my money into his bank. I looked quickly at David to make sure he was comfortable with the direction I was going. He nodded and grinned without parting his lips. Then he tossed a few ice cubes into one of the glasses before he poured the scotch, making Candace wince. No, dear. Just spring water for you. Clint, scotch for you too, right? Yeah, don't mind if I do. 18-year-old single malt. 
Candace thinks I'm a criminal for drinking it on the rocks. I want to issue an indictment every time he does it. Ice for you, Clint. I wouldn't dare. Good boy, Clint. David handed out the libations, raising his as if in a toast, and we all clinked before we sipped. Candace lowered her glass and set it carefully on the granite kitchen counter, pursing her lips slightly to repair any smudge of her bright red lipstick the sit might have caused, before turning in her chair to look at me. David doesn't sleep at night worried about that damn bank. Your offer is a godsend. Abe's not completely on board. Well then, screw him. I think it's a little more than ironic that the person who caused all this trouble for the bank with his poor choices thinks he can stand in the way of solving the problem. I wasn't going to tell you, but Abe had a meltdown in the bank. The police took him off premises to cool off. He threatened to kill all of us after Clint made a proposal for investing and saving the bank. You know he didn't mean a bit of it. I don't think he did. I could see it coming. Typical flip out for him. I thought he might pick the board table and throw it at us. You think he'll come over here? (sighs) I hope he does. I'm about ready to slap the shit out of him. Grow the fuck up. (laughs) I'd love to see that. It wouldn't surprise me if he did come over. I have my pistol on the kitchen counter just in case. That's a little overdramatic, don't you think? You know Abe has a problem with his temper. It's all talk. You know, the, the, the only time I think I remember any actual physical discipline to Abe was when Jack and I were in our early teens. Remember, remember Abe got so pissed at Jack he tried to strangle him? And I pulled Abe off, and then David, you showed up, started beating on him with your belt. Remember, you said said something, if you can't hear, maybe you can feel. <laughs> Never let me catch you doing anything like that again, ever. <laughs> oh, David, Jack and I were stunned, but that was amazing. Just, you know, fuck him. I had never seen Candace be so down on Abe. Always in the past, she was very protective. Something was up. She finished fixing the shrimp salad for our lunch. Jack arrived and pulled me to the bathroom and away from Candace. I've got the dormant account list you asked for. Lists carefully winnowed. Names and account numbers are uploaded to this memory stick. Just keep it out of my mother's line of vision. Don't worry about that. David told me to keep this on the lowdown for now. She is really down on Abe, which don't get me wrong, I like... I've just never witnessed that before. You know what's up with that, Jack? She feels as if she lost him when he married that girl and took up with the fundamentalists. She can't understand that way of thinking, that way of life at all. And she truly, truly dislikes the wife who is, in all fairness to my mom, absolutely clueless. As an example, the wife was... uh, The wife? What's her name again? It's Sharon, but we don't use it. The wife cornered mom at a cocktail party about a year ago and admired the diamond necklace she was wearing. Mom thanked her for the compliment, but the wife went on. Something on the order of she was looking forward to inheriting all of mom's beautiful jewelry someday because God knew Abe's queer little brother wasn't ever going to get married. So there wasn't going to be another girl in the house to give him to. You're kidding. Oh, my God. I can only imagine what Candy was thinking. (laughs) Not kidding. Just wrong. On so many levels. So very, very many levels. Well, needless to say, the jewels are all being left to me. Mom put it in her will the next day, so 
be nice to me. <laughs> in case I'm in want of a diamond necklace someday. You never know. Anyway, I've already gotten a call from Abe about our deal, trying to shut it down. It's to be expected, correct? Oh, of course, the asshole. Hmm. And here I thought Southern Baptists were all about honoring thy father and thy mother. <laughs> he could cause a lot of trouble if he wanted to, but I'm actually not that worried about him. There are some fairly substantial rumors circulating that Abe has got a girlfriend. What? Your holier-than-thou brother is screwing around on his legally Christian wife? Now, that's the scuttlebutt, and believe me, if the wife gets wind of it, she will cut him out of her life so fast his head will fly off his shoulders, and she'll clean him out with the process. No prenup. If I even hint to Abe that the wife might somehow get wind of the girlfriend, <laughs> Well, that would do for damage control. I thought her religion didn't allow for divorce. Her religion is money, my friend. Her own private religion is all about the big bucks. You are ruthless. Oh, a ruthless genius, please. <laughs> More like an evil genius. <laughs> Jack and I joined Candy and David on the patio. David carrying a chilled and already opened bottle of Napa Valley Sauvignon Blanc and four stemmed glasses. Andy liked this wine so much when we were uniful last year. She bought six cases. In fact, Candy found so many wines she liked on that trip. I damn near had to expand the wine closet to hold everything she has shipped. Don't exaggerate, David. Now, Clint, tell me, is there anything we can do to expedite our partnership? I'm looking forward to having you in the fold, so what do we need to do at our end? Oh, the stick of dormant account list secure in my back pocket. There's nothing more that I can think of. When I get back to Mexico, I'll tell my banker, a fellow named Juan Carlos, to make the transfer of money. And considering that I'll be paying his bank a hefty fee for the work, I'm sure he'll make it happen quickly. I'll be in touch with Jack to make him aware the money is on its way and to keep an eye out. I shrugged to convey to Candace that my ownership in the bank was a done deal as far as I was concerned. I'm flying back this evening. It's all really up to me at this point. For my part, because... I'm sure there's going to be no issue with the transfer. I'll call our attorneys this afternoon and have necessary paperwork drawn up so be ready for our signatures when you return to Miami. Perfection. I love all my men working together like this. But tell me, when that will be, Clint? When will we be returning to Miami? We must have a party to celebrate and you've got to give me a bit of a time to plan. Not exactly sure. The partner I told you about? My partner in Mexico. Yes. He's a businessman by day and a bullfighter by night. Or I should say on the weekends during the off season. Are you kidding? Well, have I ever. Oh, that's simply too wonderful. Invited to his next fight, which is taking place in just a little under two weeks. And of course, I can't miss it. So I'll need to coordinate my schedule. David. Yes, dear. I've never seen a bullfight. David nodded with the resolve common to men who've lived their lives with strong-willed women. Are we going to Mexico, Candy? Of course we are. Clint, you let us know when that fight is to take place, and David will book our tickets, and... Oh, you are business partners now with a young man who has access to his associate's private jet. You cannot possibly fly commercial. There you go, first class from now on. Let me make a phone call. 
Half an hour later, as we were finishing the second bottle of Candace's favorite wine, I heard a car pull into the Cohen's driveway, coughing and knocking as it chugged up the long path of the house. I saw David and Candace exchange a look, and David rose to make his way to the kitchen door. Out on the patio, Chester. Chester appeared at the door that David held open for him so he could join us outdoors. He had a round face, deeply grooved and tanned body. He looked older than he seemed from the spring in his step, probably from working outdoors most of his life. At least I, I assumed so from the pale blue work pants and shirt he wore and the scuffed and muddy boots he had on. Clearly from the way that he and David were embracing and the fact that Candace actually rose to allow him to peck on her cheek, he was far more than just the family's gardener or handyman. Chester was followed in the door by the loveliest creature I had ever seen. Abundant, dark, shiny hair, black eyes framed by lashes so thick they could have caused a nor'easter when she batted her eyes and a wiry, girlish body. She looked 18, but from the way she carried herself, I thought she must be older than that, if not by much. Chester carried a box in his arms. The sort of department store might have used to deliver a dress to the home of a wealthy patron in a more gracious decade. <laughs> Just as gray with the stain of dust, too. When David and Candace had thoroughly greeted him, and Jack, too, had rose to give him a hug, David winked at me and said, Glenn, meet our dear friend, Chester Cruin. Chester, this is Clint Kennedy. And Clint, this is Charlotte, Chester's daughter. Charlotte laughed. To my ears, the sound of an angel who'd been ever so slightly amused. <laughs> Daddy chauffeur today, I think. A loyal employee of my bank though she's attending college, doesn't want to be a banker. Don't ask me why when she's already got a job for life. If only she wants it. Charlotte smiled at David, vaguely irritated by his introduction, but graciously allowing his arm to rest on her shoulders. Mr. Kennedy, I have brought you a gift. I looked at each of the cruets, hoping for a clue, reluctant to remove my eyes from the gorgeous Charlotte, but I took the box and carefully lifted the lid. Inside the box was a red satin cake, slightly discolored and more than a little wrinkled from its years in the old box. Its shoulders thickly embroidered in gold thread, its collar dense with golden studs and seed pearls. Wow, Chester. I can't believe it. It belonged to Ernesto Pastor, the greatest Puerto Rican torero of all time. A friend of my grandfather's. Uh, Chester, how can I ever repay you for this? It is my pleasure. Candace told me that you're helping David out with the bank situation. It gives me great happiness to help you. I'm the sort of person who is very rarely speechless. But I wasn't sure what was choking me up more at the moment. Chester's generosity, Charlotte's beauty, or that Candy was able to make one phone call and within half an hour put a cape into my hands that had once belonged to Ernesto Pastor. Jack drove me back to the airport. He lit up a cigarette as soon as he put his car in gear, lowered the driver's window with the left hand just enough to suck out the smoke, and tapped on the console with his right. In there. In the console was a stack of signature cards. Signed two of them to open Alvaro's new account. I'm guessing you wouldn't mind a little forgery in the midst of all this? 
<laughs> if Alvaro had thought through this little detail of my plan, my bet, my guess is it would make him batshit crazy. I myself wouldn't exactly sleep well knowing that $20 million of my money were in the bank based on someone else's imitation of my John Hancock. On the other hand, I didn't exactly have a dozen armed thugs ready to take out any pests who fucked me over, so I signed the cards. Outside the Porsche's windows, the old homes of the first homesteaders receding into a blur as we sped by. My grandparents' house was one of those. Built in 1902, Cubans live there now. Chain-link fence surrounding the front ten acres. Get pigs, horses, and chickens roaming freely inside. None of the old orange or grapefruit groves remain, though. You know, a few days ago, I would have thought I got about as far from that old bungalow as it was possible to get. Now? The possibilities that had opened up to me since my meeting with Alvaro would stagger the current inhabitants. If your banker, Juan Carlos, did you call him? If he isn't cooperative, I'm thinking, I mean, since Alvaro's jet already has clearance for customs, you could bring the cash in by air. And we could send the armored car out to the airport to pick it up, divide it up uh, among our eight branches, just in case anyone takes a close look. He drove with one hand on the wheel and flicked the spent cigarette out the window. It's always good to have options, Jackie. Let's stick with wiring it into the inactive accounts for the time being. I'm thinking, given the number of accounts we can use, our capacity is going to be about a million a day, max. But maybe if you could divide up the accounts among the branches, I mean, eight different accounts for each inactive customer, we could step up the amount we're transferring, get the whole amount into the bank a lot faster. Jack frowned, but he didn't dismiss the idea out of hand. Well, could be tricky. Hey, Jack. Yeah? What's the lowdown on Chester's daughter? Charlotte? Yeah. Smart. The hardest working person at the bank. And she goes to night school. Dad had her following Abe around for a while, you know, to keep him in line. And she did such a good job, he made her her secretary. Way above your pay grade, pal. I think she likes me. Okay, I'm going to stroke your ego. I know you need it. Clint, everyone likes you. Why wouldn't they? You're handsome, smart, and getting richer by the day. Thanks, Jackie. I didn't need that. I'll certainly take it. Hey, what's the lowdown on the flight attendant? I think he likes me. Well, he probably does. He's off limits for now. We've got business to tend to. Plus, I'm pretty sure he's Alvaro's boy toy. Jack and I hugged as I headed to the stairs. Workers on the ground pulled the stairs away, the jet's door swinging shut automatically, and sealed. And Tim locked it manually. Alvaro's been calling all afternoon, wanting to know if you were back yet. So I called him when I saw you drive up and told him we were on our way. I nodded to acknowledge him, scrolling through my phone to find Juan Carlos's number. Anything I can get you before we start to taxi? I frowned. Thinking how stuffed I felt from Candace's splendid shrimp salad and fantastic wine, and the magnitude of the deal I had just negotiated with such breathtaking ease, I waved Tim away. He gave me a look of grave disappointment. Maybe a glass of water, once we're in the air. I'd had a lot to drink, a busy day behind me, and it wasn't over yet, and who knew what awaited me tomorrow. 
I truly didn't want to deal with the effects of dehydration. Juan Carlos, are you able to meet me at my house tonight? Two hours, I think. We'll make it three to be safe. I'm leaving Homestead now. When we banked left as we passed over the town, I could see a branch of the bank below. My bank. Tim served me sparkling water with a slice of lime and a heavy-bottomed tumbler as we flew over Key West. I saw a little bit of Cuba in the distance, and I looked down at the ocean as we headed to the Yucatan. Beautiful, wide-open waters, dotted with just a few scattered sailboats on unknown journeys. I would be a multi-millionaire within the month. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stained Fortune. This was produced by myself, Joe Calderwood, and Jeff Mester. Casting by Charlie Wilson. Performances by Haven Kai, Lucas York, Lauren Otis, Charlie Wilson, and Brooks Wallace. Music by Freddie Elmberg. Yeah, on your knees and